what's happening in the canine industry. For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by Einswick Dog Quip, who's our good friend, Jason Furman. Good friend? Good friend. Yeah. I like him. (laughs) (laughs) So Jason, through Einswick Dog Quip, is the importer and distributor of many products, including HF Mills, Herm Springer, and he has his own line of tugs and toys and sleeves and equipment called Dogpool. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff. Yeah, pretty much anything. If you want any dog-related training gear, talk to Jason at Einswick Dog Quip. The best way to do that is to look him up on Facebook. He can pretty much get you any dog gear you need at probably the best price that can be gotten. He's a grumpy old bastard, but he's a good bloke. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. My name is Glenn Cook and joined in studio is my co-host, Pat Stewart. Hello. Ready to drop your anchor? <laughs> We're still playing that game. We're still we? playing. That game is never going to end now. Did now that see, I know what it means. Did it, you see though that Birdie is trying to clarify whether people actually <laughs> yes. know that to be the case because she still wants to use it? <laughs> and here you are telling her last episode about how much you love her and, and here you are just perpetuating a problem for her. Of course. That's what I do. <laughs> Yeah, anytime anyone gives me a lead, like give me an inch, I'll take a mile Mm, for sure. You're that guy. You and I have been talking about this episode and you were discussing things that you've done in the industry that have made you feel proud, proud of what you're doing or what you've accomplished. And you have a good story to tell. So I'm going to hand it over to you to lead it first to tell us about your exciting story. Well, I guess the topic, I don't know what you'll call the episode, but the topic really is proud moments in your training, I guess. Well, that's a good topic, I guess, yeah. You might, depending on how this goes, it might end up being the one where Pat balls his eyes out on the podcast. But yeah, so yesterday, Mm. well, let me go back to the start. Over two years ago, it was like two, it was in August 2016. So sort of two years, three months, roughly. Mm. Got this email from a woman who was asking me if I was interested in taking on her son and their dog to train as a service dog. He's autistic. Yep. And would I be interested in taking it on? And they got my details from the Bondi Junction pet store have, like if anyone goes in and asks about a dog trainer, they hand over my card. Yep. It's a good referral. Yeah, it's good. I get a lot of work from them. Mm. If you're in the area, don't try and steal my guys. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) She contacted me. And just sent me this email about it and I agreed. I, I don't do assistance dog stuff. The only person that I had done it with then, and this was very early days with Jasmine as well. Yep. And the pair of them remain the only two assistance dogs I've done because that's not my area of specialty. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, lot, it's a lot of work. For and people who, there's a lot of people who want to get involved in these type of programs and for the right reasons. I'm not saying they want to get in it just for the kudos, but they want to get involved in it. But then I don't think they realize the actual steep learning curve on it mm. and the amount of work and the amount of follow up. And not only to mention, a lot of it is gratis work too. Like that, there's, yeah. and that's not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't be 
benevolent in our field, we should. There are times where if you take from the industry, you should give back to the industry. Yeah. But I don't think people realise just how much follow-up and how much aftercare is really required in these specialty fields. Yeah, we'll talk about this as it goes. But Definitely. There is, in this kind of role, there is just no way you could actually charge what would be required. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's I do. Just, I actually, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't think people yeah. realise the magnitude of follow-up service yeah. and what that would equate to in a dollar yeah. figure if you were to put If you were to bill for the hour, it'd be horrendous. Yeah, and no one could afford to pay that. You couldn't afford to charge it. So I get this email. I agree to go around, just do a meet and greet and talk to them. Mm. And when I get there, I should mention that I, I spoke to the these guys. Uh, Karen is the mother's name and Isaac is the boy's name. And I got permission for them to tell the whole story. She was very happy. She said, yeah, give my full name and address. I don't care. Right. <laughs> so a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about is um, pretty full on, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, I go to their house. They live in this tiny apartment in Coogee. They've got this little dog. Bobby is the dog's name. And he's at that age, uh, he's at that stage of five-month-old Cavoodle. Yep. And he's a fucking hot mess, right? <laughs> What, what's a hot mess? Tell us what that means. It's fearful of everything. Right. So totally yep. under-socialized. Yep. So everything we recommend against in dogs. Well, Critical so they, period disaster. Well, let me tell you about the critical period. Mm. De-sex during the critical period. Oh, and God, um, Terrible. And not released from the breeder until 16 weeks old. Yep. Right? So critical period is gone. You're right. He's a hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. Is hyper-reactive to dogs in a way that- I later found out was not aggressive in any way, just more inquisitive. Like he's very social. He mm. just wants to hang out with other dogs because he probably did for 16 weeks. He was like, he was with his litter mates, I would suggest, for that entire period. Sorry, can I just interject there quickly? Mm. I'm sorry to interrupt because this story you're telling is important, but it's in my mind and I can't get it out now. I have to say it. Don't desex puppies when they're yeah. baby puppies. Don't yeah, yeah. encourage breeders to do it. And it's terrible advice from anybody who thinks that desexing eight-week-old puppies is a good idea. It's not. I mean, the only reason you would do it is if you're an absolute idiot and you can't control where your dogs are going. I mean, that's- Or the, for a medical thing. So or Remy, for a medical thing with missing testicles Yeah, Remy like has that. a brother who was desexed at eight weeks because yeah. uh, he had a hernia. Yeah, those sort of things are fair enough. Like yeah. if it's a medical emergency and there's no other reason around it, then I can totally understand it. But just because somebody has told you to do it at eight weeks, I don't want to hijack this whole conversation around it, but the endocrinology issues that you have around desexing at that age, it's just tumultuous. Mm. Anyway, back to you. Well- uh, we should carry on on that since our style is to just go all over the place. Yeah, okay. Further on on the story, they referred me to a friend of theirs who I was tentatively, uh, well, at least agreed to discuss with, and they told me they hadn't got their dog yet. They'd paid a deposit but yeah. hadn't picked up their puppy and it was coming from a similar circumstance. Mm. I told them, do not get it. You haven't got it yet. You haven't had a chance to bond. They say, oh, we love him. already. We've been sent photos. I said, I don't care. Like, yep. do not take the puppy. And if you do, don't call me. Like, I'm not interested. I'm giving you that. You want your call for my advice. Yep. Um, this is the advice. Like, you have the opportunity not to take that puppy. Yep. Because it is, it, it may or may not work out, but it is going to be a disaster along the way. Yep. I don't know whether they got it because they didn't call me back. <laughs> I'd say they got it. Probably. Yeah. So, he's hyper dog. Not aggressive, but it appears that way because when he sees another dog, he he barks and lunges and pulls and that mm. sort of thing, which we later found out he was just um, hyper-social, really, because I, I presume that he was with his little mates to 16 weeks. Yep. So it's a difficult situation mm. and compounded by the fact that – I should explain. So Isaac, he's autistic, 
And at that time, that was his sort of primary diagnosis. But as we'll talk about over the story, there's actually a lot more going on than that. It's probably schizophrenic as well, and we can talk about that. So he does not get along with many people. Yeah. And for some reason got along with me Mm. in that interaction. He's into gaming. He's a really good gamer. And um, he, through my website, had learned that I had a military background and was really interested in that. And we would talk about that. Yep. And so it was pretty clear that he was prepared to work with me and no one else. And so that's where I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. But I also feel like it was only going to be me and not because of my dog training skills, just because of the circumstance how it came. They'd had other trainers come out and he had basically kicked them out of the house. How old is he? He was at that. He's 14 now. He's 12 then. Yep. And so- um, So he's pretty determined on what he wants and what he doesn't want. Yeah. Well, he's, it's clear. It's very it's, <laughs> yep. it's clear cut. There is no going either way. He's going to mm. allow it or not. I'm, look, I'm not insulting anybody or suggesting I know a great range of things about autism, but what I do know is that they are very single track mind when they've made up their mind about something. Yeah. It's like straight down. It, there's yeah. no filter on it. It's just, I like you or I don't like you. Yeah. And and sort of as we'll discuss, autism is maybe one of the least of his problems. Right. Anyway, I agree to do it. I resolved to myself that this is how I'm going to get right with Jesus after a bunch of... Um, a life that I've lived, I've done plenty of harm to people over the years and mm. decided, okay, like I can, I can maybe repent a little bit with this situation. Anyway, so we start training this dog and it, it, it comes to light that Isaac had sort of almost not left the house for two years prior. He doesn't go to school or anything like that. He can't read or write, but he hadn't really left the house uh, until they got the dog. And I think that was one of the main motivators for getting the dog was that it would give him a, a function and like, it was like, well, you have to because we've got to walk the dog, right? So we start training and we're training inside the house and we're dealing with all of these issues and we set up to do a session a week. And I gave them a login to my video series and was like, hey, look, this is a foundation of training skills that you should need and watch and study this, ask me questions. And then when we have time together, it's just going to be problem solving. And I said to Karen, the mother, I was like, you know, the same as what I said to Jazz when she turned up to my house with a, a dog that I didn't think was suitable for a service dog. I was like, you know, you're going to have to become a really good dog trainer. Mm. And there's just no way, as I said, the problem with it, as I said to them many times, is there's just no, I can't take this dog. Like the whole reason that you have this dog and you didn't just get an, a, an already certified assistance dog is the bonding, the experience, the training, the dog working for you. Mm. So it's not like I can just take the dog. Yeah, you're um, right. You ha- you have to migrate past being a handler at this stage. There's no way at this stop When you're working at this type of specialty level, you can't be just a handler. Yeah. What you're doing is taking on an apprentice trainer. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. And so like to give you a, an understanding of the difficulty of this dog was – the first time we tried to, it wouldn't leave the house, right? The first time I tried to leave the house, it wouldn't leave the house. Mm. Wouldn't walk down the stairs, mm. terrified of the stairs. And there were just little things like that day, for example, it, they used to walk it on a harness. It wore like its little in-training harness. And I was like, just attach to the collar. See how that goes, right? And now it'll walk down the stairs, no problem, right? Because yep. it was sort of the opposition reflex of the the harness. It had learned that if I balk at the top of the stairs, yep. th- they live on the third story. So, and it's, you know, stairs, oh, you have to drag me down the stairs and they get to feel that and enjoy the opposition reflex of the harness. As soon as I clip to the collar, the dog now is suddenly going down the stairs. Yep. So there were lots of little things that I could give them that were huge breakthroughs for mm-hmm. them because, you know, you can imagine living on the third story with a dog that won't work down the stairs, yep. right? 
And then in one moment you can go, oh, it's because of this. And now he does walk down the stairs. So little things like that led to big successes and gave us a lot of hope to to start with. Yeah. And we surged because we have to work around their capability and the dog is just a little part of their life, right? And later ultimately had to become a huge part of the life, but they've still got to deal with all the things that come along with the, the mental illness they're dealing with. So I told them, you know, we've got a long time. Don't worry about training all these behaviors. Karen is reading the, the public access test, reading what's on it and trying to train all these behaviors. And then here's one of the worst things about this whole situation is she's in all the Facebook groups, yep. right? The assistance dog groups and all that kind of stuff. And you're seeing this like total fucking bullshit representation of how people are with their dogs. Mm. And as I said to her many times, I, I said this over and over and over and I showed her video. I was like, this is a snapshot in time that someone has chosen to show you. There's no Facebook Live in these videos, in yeah. these these groups. Nobody's saying like- It's like celebrity trainers. It's a, yeah. it's, a, it's mostly fabled. Well, and so, but even recently, you know, I had a video that I put on Instagram recently, and I think I put it on that Operant Canine page of Remy doing a bunch of stuff on the mill. Yeah, where well, you Send said- him onto the mill, mm. sit down, stand, all that kind of stuff, right? And then she's like, oh yeah, that's amazing. I said, look, so here's the video that I put online. You see that? And this is what I've put there to show my skills as a trainer. But here's the full video, the uncut video, right? And the first time he sent him onto the mill, he's so jacked up that when I told him to down on the mill, he slides off of it, ends <laughs> up doing like frantically running backwards, trying to not fall off of it, yep. which speeds the mill up. And then he ends up kind of trying to down anyway and gets shot off and hits me, food goes everywhere. And then he steals all the food off the ground. Yeah. Right? No, it's good you showed her that. So I was like, this is, and then I shows ended up- it, it shows it behind the curtain and that's, yeah. that's important. And, and that's, was, that's ethics. That's right. That's so ethics. I was like, I don't put that up. It yeah. happened, but mm-hmm. I don't want to show that. Yeah. Which I ended up doing. I ended up putting it on on Instagram anyway. But I was like, you know- Yeah, I saw it. This <laughs> I, I was laughing at it. Yeah. Mm. But I was like, that's the reality, but right? But it's the reality. And it, to be honest, I think amongst the training community, it's more appreciated that you actually show people, here's what I can do, but here's all the fuckery that goes yeah. with it. That's a critical thing that I have or a criticism I have of the industry is that so often people make it look like, oh, here, it's so easy. You can just do this. Yeah. But they don't show you how much time they're spending on it. They don't show you how fanatical they are about their own training system. Yeah. And you have to be a little bit fanatical about it. Yeah. You know, like if you want to train for a sport, you want to do well, it has to be a part of fanaticism to get there. Yeah. Otherwise, it just won't work. So as I say, she's watching all these videos and she's already sort of has it in her mind, I'm training for these events, Mm. right? I'm training for these skills. And we had to sort of unpack that. And it was, this is another reason I think that I was probably the right person for the job was, you know, how I don't like to teach any of that shit until I get the attitude correct. Mm. So I was like, let's just work on Bobby's personality, his fearfulness, his reactivity, all those sort of things before we ever worry about whether he sits, drops, stays. None of that matters. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. I said, none of that matters because when he's ready- I will take him and I will teach him that mm. because you want, like it would be cheeky, you know, like everybody is like, can't you take and train the dog? And I was like, yes, those things I can train. Yep. That hundred percent, I can do that way quicker, more efficient than probably the average person. Right. But I, there's no point unless he's got the attitude correct. So let's build the attitude and take as long as we need to do that in order to get that correct. Yep. Let's make him happy. Let's make him tougher. Let's make him social. Let's make him, uh, well, not social, neutral to the environment. 
let's turn him into the attitude of the dog that we need before we ever worry about the obedience behaviors. And I think that was really important for her early on. Yep. So with those guys, we were training as often as we could, which was really one day a week, right? And for an hour or it's, it was hard because Isaac was not, he doesn't have an hour of concentration available, right? So it would be 10 minutes and then me and Karen would talk and then maybe another 10 minutes, you know, and, but rarely would we do a full hour session. Yeah. That makes sense. You got to, you got to work in the platform that's available to you. Yeah. Yeah. So along the way, you know, the dog's slightly, slowly getting better and there's, we're seeing hope in all of this. And I kept saying, we shouldn't even attempt this certification. Well, actually, let me go back and talk about the certification. So I don't, I'm not an assistance dog guy. I don't know anything about this. This is not my area. And when I did, is in the balance symposium a while ago, I asked a question like, who can, se- who can send me the legislation? Who can actually give me the facts mm. on all of this? And there's, you know, a huge thread of, it's a tumultuous topic. Yep. It gets a lot of emotions get involved. <laughs> and so I'm going to paraphrase this because I'm still not an expert on the legislation. And if I'm saying this wrong, go fuck yourself because like I've learned as much as I can, but this is how I understand it. Is yep. that here in New South Wales, we do not have any actual assistance dog legislation. There are several bodies that will certify your dog. They'll conduct a public access test and they will issue you an ID and they will, they conduct the test as it would be done by anybody else. Mm. They will issue you an ID, but you actually don't have the right to take that dog places. What they are relying on is the Anti-Discrimination Act. Right. And so you have a letter from your treating physician or whatever, saying that an assistance dog or a service dog would assist you and, and you should have it. Yep. And that's kind of like your prescription. Yep. Then you have a certification by a body that's not a government body, yep. right? So like Mind Dogs is one, for example, who Jazz did hers through, right? Yep. And they say, yes, you have passed a version or our version of the public access test and they issue you an ID to that effect. But if someone were to say, no, I don't accept that, you can't come in, that has never really been tested in court because Mm. you would then be relying on the Anti-Discrimination Act that says, well, I need this dog. You won't allow me into this premises. Therefore, you are discriminating against me. That's what everyone's relying on. And to my knowledge, that hasn't actually been tested. Queensland has assistance dog legislation. They have real bodies that are government sanctioned and controlled and they actually have legislation that say this, you must allow the dog and the dog's certified by these particular people who have, uh, I don't know what training they were testing they have, yep. but they have something. And this is what I learned early on in the piece. Dave Haywood, he has a, I think it's a nonprofit, but it's, it's he has a, a function of his business that does this. Yep. So I contacted Dave and spoke to him and he said, yep, so I can come to New South Wales and do that. He can conduct that test and then the, it's recognized. Federally? Yeah. So even mm. though it's it's issued by the Queensland government, yep. it's recognized around the whole country. Mm. So, well, of course you would do that if you have the opportunity, right? Well, if you want to clarify any of this information, Dave, like how your body is set up and what the specifics of it are in our feedback forum online, that would be appreciated because then at least when people listen to this story, they'll get the relative information and we won't have any crosswires. That's right. And so this is like how I recall it. But when I put all that up two years ago, I spoke to Dave at length on the phone and and, well, he encouraged me to go down this path because it is the strongest certification. Mm. And for a family with as much stress as they have, the strongest, best thing is the way to go, I felt. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so. like opening a watch sometimes. It's all fun until the fucking springs start flying everywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And and it's a can of worms, man. You, yeah. Like this whole assistance dog th- thing. And the, the issue with it, and you know how it is, you see any in any of the larger forums, whatever there gets discussed, it's a fucking shit show within minutes because yep. there's really a motive discussion around it, right? Yeah, it's a motive and it's opinionated. Yeah. Mm. And, and there's <laughs> bias and there's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Like it's a it's behavior soup. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's, it's watching disaster. it's watching the um human behavior at its worst. And I think not just for assistance, but any of those type of things. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's just watching people scrambling for for definitions. Yeah. And I think credit to Dave and others who involve themselves in this part of the industry is because imagine you've got someone who really is bonded to their dog. The dog really does perform the tasks that they really do need it to. Mm. And then on the day of the assessment the dog takes a shit indoors and they fail. Like, or the dog is reactive, but performs all of his tasks, but is reactive to other dogs or whatever. And you have to tell that person like, no, that's it. You're done. Mm. I think they get another try, but still like, you know, that's a fucking, that's a terrible position to be in. Especially for somebody who's already suffering mental illness and has those dependencies. I mean, it's, that's tragic. It's not just a disappointment that I wouldn't say the word normal. But that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is people who don't have those anxieties, don't have those dependency issues. I mean, they really need these dogs for a reason. They need that companionship for a reason. Yeah. And yeah, that rep really fucking reefs the rug out from underneath their feet. And as we spoke about with Birdie last week, you know, you can infer a lot of, um, what does she call it? Transgenerational, whatever it was. Uh, transgenerational transitions. Yeah. So you can infer your own mental health issues onto the dog. Yep. And so no wonder that there's so many fucking reactive assistance dogs, right? Like no Mm. shit. So anyway, we decide that this is the path that's going to go down. Now, the whole time I work with these guys, because there's various lines of funding that are available to him for treatment. So while I was trying not to really charge them, various lines of funding became available. And so I was being paid by different autism support groups. Mm. And then ultimately- finally by the Uniting Church who were paying for it. And it was all sort of like money became available and they would buy a pack, like a bulk amount of, because they would buy a bulk amount of sessions up to 70 at a time because now there's a line of funding available, right? And we spend this money and they book me in. So there were periods where I was getting paid normally, but there were periods where you're not, right? And then one of the times where funding became available, we booked and, and paid for the testing, way before it was ever looked like we're ever going to get to do it. Mm. And so Dave was gracious enough to accept that money prior and held on to it ready to come down and do the testing, which happened like two years later. So anyway, <laughs> we're all over the place explaining this. but It's, it's all right. It, it's part of the story. Like yeah. you, it gives you a little background on, you know, what you've done and, and who this personality is and how yeah. they came to be. So it's still part of the background story. So we're training and – um the issue is Isaac's behavior is irregular and to me really different every time I see him because there could be a week between when I see him. There might be a few days. Sometimes it could be a week between when I see, and you know, he's dealing with a lot going on and had actually become quite violent. Mm. Right? Yeah. I remember you telling me about it in the early days. Yeah. And mm. was really a danger to, to his mother. His mother was in a lot of danger from him because he's growing up. Like at this stage, he's like 13. Yeah. He's full of testosterone. Yeah. And, and he's big- fairly strong mm. for you know, like he's a growing boy. He's not a kid anymore. He's a, a yeah. boy. And, and in some cases, it's like sudden rage syndrome. Yeah. Mm. And so things are difficult in their house. Yep. Anyway, one day 
I get there and he's being sedated and basically taken off and the whole the I don't want to go too much into the details, but it's a disaster of a situation, the family in that because he needed to be hospitalized, yep. but because he has a carer, because his mother is around, he can't be because he keeps being released into her care. So he needed to be in 24-hour care, but what would happen was he could only be like in a psych ward by day, and then he would be released to her at night, and she would basically spend the night wondering if he was going to kill her, and then they'd Jeez. go back into the psych Yeah. Disaster, mate. And yeah. um, anyway, one day, so I get there and he's Jeez, being, that takes love, doesn't it? Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Mm. And so what was horrific, and this is why I asked permission to get the story, was she had to basically have herself committed yep. in order to have him committed. Yeah. Because she had to basically give up her right to him mm. and say that she was not able to be a parent yep. so that he could- Spend the time in the in in care. Holy shit! Because he was quite dangerous, right? He was yeah, quite yeah, violent. Yeah. So anyway, one day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So one day I get to the house as this is all happening, and it's a police. There's police. There's ambulances. Everything. They take them. Everybody's gone, and me and the fucking dog are left in the house, right? And Karen had. I mean, she's this amazing person. Amazing, fucking amazing person. Had managed to organize and orchestrate it so that I it would all happen. As I was there and the dog would be left with me and, and her and her sister could go to the hospital and Izzy got taken away in an ambulance and, and there's me and Bobby left with the dog. And, you know, she had kind of prepped me saying, if this ever happens, would you be able to take him? And I said, yep, no problem. Like, So I kind of was like, oh, this is what she's talking about. <laughs> so Bobby comes home with me. Yep. Now, something that we never really took into account was how bad his separation anxiety would be, right? We always knew that he was heavily attached to Isaac and to Karen. Yep. But being never, and it was kind of a case of, well, what can you do about that, right? With an assistance dog, it, it's just a, you just have to accept that. What yep. can you do? Well, now it's a problem, right? Because we thought, what's, it's never going to be an issue. Well, now it's a fucking huge issue. The dog's never been away from them and he's suddenly gone and he's stuck with me. He, the dog mm -hmm. knows me reasonably well, so he was happy enough to go with me. Yeah. But he couldn't then be separate from me. I take him home and I still <laughs> I laugh about this. I tell story, I tell this story at seminars. So- because my dogs are good and social, the dogs I have at the moment, that's the other thing. Karen and Isaac have seen me transition some dogs over time, right? But at this stage, I had Remy. Remy was younger. And um, they had seen each other. I'd used Remy as a distraction dog numerous times. So they knew each other a little bit. I put Bobby in the yard with Remy and Remy grabs him, picks him up, like full mouth bite and starts running around with this dog in his mouth, right? <laughs> Not aggressive in any way, just yeah, like this is a squeaky toy because yeah. this dog is screaming, thinking yeah. he's being murdered. I'm like, basically had to call him, he retrieves this dog to me. I'm like, thank you. So, okay, now we know you can't be outside. You can't, you can't be with the other dogs. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I only had him for a couple of days. But during those couple of days, I had him, you know, 24 hours and was able to really do a decent assessment on – Without anyone else around, how bad is this dog? Mm. Like as a as a suitability. And I was like, he's bad, right? Like he won't go over grates. You know, he's walking down the street. He's always checking around. Admittedly, he's not with his handler, which is a different picture. But this is now a real assessment of him environmentally. Yeah. It, how bad is it? He's stripped away. It's raw dog. Yeah. And mm. it was as bad as you could possibly imagine, yeah. right? Mm. So that was like, okay. Anyway, Karen comes out. And at this point, it looks like Izzy may be hospitalized forever. He may never come out. And because the dog is not certified, he can't go into the hospital. And also because Izzy's at that point considered dangerous, he can't have, he, would, he wouldn't have had him anyway. He was never, he's never been violent with the dog, but yep. he couldn't have had him at that point anyway. Yep. So then we have this long talk. It's like, well, what's going to happen now? Is he your pet? Do we stop training? Like, do you just keep him as a pet? Do you have time for that? Can we rehome him? What's the plan? 
And we spent a long time, like, you know, and I told her, you know, I can't, I'm going to support you and help you in whichever one of these things you decide to do with Bobby. Mm. But that's going to have to be your call, right? This would be good to have Birdie here. You know how she was talking the other week about, say, PTSD, for example, there's yep. a, a big checklist of diagnosis. Yep. Well, it's the same with schizophrenia. And mm. as my understanding is, as it was explained to me, is you can't be schizophrenic until you're 16. So at this point, he's like 13 years old. Is that because of brain development or yeah, just how well, the maybe, organization- Well, maybe the voices in your head are imaginary friends, right? So right. You, can't get that, you can't get that diagnosis and therefore be treated for schizophrenia until you're 16. Yep. Even though he clearly was displaying- Schizophrenia. Yeah. Mm. So- Was Izzy violent towards you at all? Never, and, never, ever, ever. So quite lucid we, when he was with you? Well, depends. Depends on- what was happening in the situation, yeah. but he was always really good with me. We spoke all the time, like as much as he was willing to engage, we spoke and we always had a good time together. Can I ask where his father was? Well, yeah. So his father also had some mental health issues and right. I'll, I'll tell the story about that in a minute. Sure. Anyway, this is, I mean, we're telling, I'm, I'm spooking about their business, but this is why it's important, right? Mm. And this is how I got sort of so Th- caught thank up Thank you, Karen. It. I really, yeah, no, I, I think this is going to be vastly appreciated that you're allowing your story to be told. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people may find this story supportive, right? Except, of course. Yeah. It should be. All this information should be educational. Yeah. It's, it's not based on judgment at all. It's based on if somebody's been kind enough to share with you something that's been very delicate in their life, you yeah. should use it as an educational pinpoint. So we, we have to talk for hours. What, what What's going to happen with Bobby now, right? Does mm. she just, is he her pet, yep. right? Or does she continue trying to train and, and certify him? Because it, it seems as though Isaac's probably never going to come out of care. He's under, at this stage, he's, he's living in this psychiatric facility, right? He may or may not ever come out. And it's like, well, what do you do with the dog? So she decides that she just can't face the idea that she moves the dog on and he gets out. And then what, right? Like he's like, well, where's Bobby? <laughs> and he's gone. You know, like she couldn't face that idea. So she yep. says at the minimum, she's going to keep him yep. and continue training. So I'm like, cool, awesome. Well, here's an opportunity, right? Because me and you can keep training really regularly. You have the time now, even though she had a whirlwind of other stuff going on, it's not like she suddenly just wasn't, like she's dealing with, you know, having basically signed over uh, custody of her child. Mm. So she's got to deal with all of this, but I was like, we have more time and it can be just me and you. It's and a good we break though, you know. Yeah. I think for with all the things that are going on, it's good. Well, what I what we resolved is I was like, look, now the dog is ready. He's he's older. He's a little bit, we, we can address these things. Mm. You know, he's like 18 months old at this point, the dog. Yep. I'm like now we can actually start training. And I was like, I am not an assistance dog trainer. But when I look at a lot of people's assistance dogs, what I see is a lot of flat dogs, right? Yep. That really don't get up to any mischief or always are doing the right thing because they don't really want to do anything. I was like, we don't have that dog. What I do have is the skills to train dogs to do stuff, mm. right? So we are we broke down into every minute fucking piece. What it, do we need from this dog? Okay, well we need him to heal. When he, we need him to loose leash walk, I think loose leash walking is bullshit. We're going to teach him to flashy heal. Right? Okay. When you get to uh, on and off a bus, what's that got to look like? He's got to stop. He's got to. Get, he's got. Okay. We're putting a whole procedure into that. When you b- go to the counter at the shops, he's scared of the shop. Okay, no problem. This is what we're going to do. He's going to go into the middle. He's going to turn and face back backwards when you're at counters. So 
like I just broke it down like a sport and mm -hmm. I was like, this is my, this is my skill. This is what I can do, right? This is where I can help you. And there's no excuse now because we're not dealing with Izzy anymore. It's just you. And she took the ball and fucking ran with it so hard. And little dog has some flashy obedience, right? Yeah. She's really training him and she found all of his triggers and issues and desensitized him as much as possible. But also then through quite skillful training, locked him into obedience around some of his triggers. Mm. So it was like, he's still, you know, there's certain greats, there's been a particular great in Kuji that he's terrified of, right? has a real issue with, but he will heal over that great. He will not walk over that great, but he will heal over that great because he understands that he's locked in behavior. Yep. And it was all Nipopo stuff, right? Slip leash and like for pressure, because he's never going to be off leash. So we don't ever have to worry about that. Yep. Like highly charged clicker, right? But in the background, there's this idea of, well, is, is he coming out? And this is the part of the story where I fucking struggle every time I, I think about it. So this is where they're sort of identifying that he's schizophrenic, right? Yep. And uh, he's got all these voices in his head. And I didn't really know this because it's not really, it's not my business. When we're there, we're talking dogs, not so much of this. But now because me and Karen are spending more time together, she's telling me more of the story. Yeah. Yeah, it's so what they volunteer. So he's locked up in this... Um, basically kids ward facility thing. It's like an outcare thing because he's extremely violent. Yep. Right? Extremely violent. Anyway, they, they have this art therapist come around and the art therapist is, um, fuck. <laughs> I'm always crying before I say the story. So they're going to do art therapy with him. They're like, good luck. You are not going to last five minutes with this kid. She's in there for ages. She comes out and they're like, what, how did that happen? Right? Like, how did you manage that? And so she says, oh, well, we did some painting and he drew Ollie's house, right? Fuck. <laughs> so <laughs> who's Ollie? Ollie is, Ollie, he, he draws Ollie's house, right? Ollie lives in this fortress. There's no way in or out. He draws his giant fortress with a giant wall, can only get in and out by helicopter, but that's mostly overgrown. And so she says, well, that's no way for Ollie to live. They draw a road up to Ollie's thing. They rub out part of the wall. They make a big access. They clear up Ollie's helicopter landing pad. They change all of this. And she goes, so now, you know, like we helped him. We opened up Ollie. And, um. <laughs> Fuck's pretty raw, huh? Yeah, man. So then the mum goes, yeah, Ollie's the voice in his head that tells him to kill himself. Fuck. And, and he's like locked him away. Yeah. And you just, like, how could she know, right? Yeah. But she's let him out. And so the next year, this kid's trying to kill himself, like, furiously. He has to be under 24-hour guards by two people to not kill himself. Trying to kill himself is constantly all the, all of the, All the dangerous and violence and all that. It was, he had locked this particular voice away and then it got now via this road being drawn up and now he's trying to kill himself. Fuck. Yeah. So that's just, this is, and this is the mum. Karen's just telling me this one day, right? Like yep. this is, if she listens to this, she'll probably think like, oh, for her, this is just another tiny one of the huge amount of problems. But for me, I was like, holy fuck. Mm. Like I can't, can't imagine dealing with that. And I was just horrified. Like, I just couldn't, I still, like, here I am fucking crying. Like, I can't even. Yeah, but it's think, relevant. Yeah, that's, mate, that's fucking intense. Yeah. So I can't yeah, even um, think about it without getting upset. 
Yeah. So this kid, anyway, so we keep training, right? We keep training. They get him on the right meds. They finally find a doctor that will treat him for schizophrenia. Like he, mm. this is clearly what he has, but someone decides to give him that diagnosis and we keep training and he's suddenly on the right path again and fucking presto, he's now able to be released from the ward intermittently, right? So he still is there some days and he's out other days. And thank fuck, we still have the dog who's now quite highly trained, yeah. right? Who gets to come out. He gets to spend time with this dog that gives him a lot of comfort. The dog provides him all the things that an assistance dog should. Mm. And we still got him because Karen spent so much time in spite of all this bullshit going on in her life. Yeah. She kept training the dog. Mm. Anyway, so it's up and down with these guys all the time and we're just training the dog all the time. And- you know, they have to have a skill. They have to have an actual – so, the, like, emotional support under that Queensland legislation is not enough. Yeah. have to have a skill. So, what we taught him to do is to interrupt self-harm behavior. So, if Izzy starts to scratch his arms, Bobby will interrupt that. Yep. He's actually very effective at it. They did a lot of training at it. And um, it's very – you know, it's just – it's, it's nothing crazy to that. That's pretty easy to teach, but mm. it, it's an active skill. Yeah. It still, still takes time. Yeah. Mm. So – but get this, right? So a few weeks ago, we're at the point where now we're training again regularly. So there's these huge gaps missing in like, so I kept a training log, which I had to hand to Dave to like show all our proof and training. And I was reading through it the other day and there's just these huge gaps missing. And then I'm looking through our messages and stuff and it's like, oh yeah, there's this huge gap missing where his father died. So then they're like, uh, oh, they're, yeah. and that deals with, yeah, so they're missing for four months and whatever. So there's all these, but basically all I could ever say to them was like, I'm here, you call me. Like I'll clear, we'll find time to train, but I can't, I'm not going to push you to train. Like you've got enough shit going on that I know nothing mm. about. When you're ready, you call me. And within a few days, I guarantee you, if I'm in the country, I'll find a, I'll find a slot for you. So it's all going really well. And then a few weeks ago, like, okay, let's do this. Like, let's do this test. Like it's, we've gotten there, it's going to be fine. So we're talking to Dave, like trying to organize a time to do the test and it's school holidays and with. We thought, oh, what, what impact would that have? So they're at, they decide they're going to go to the movies one day and they're in the line to get movie tickets and Bobby's sitting there and this kid steps on him. And Bobby spins around and he just was startled, right? Like that he got stepped on in the line. He's a tiny little cavoodle. And the mother of this kid starts claiming that the dog bit him, which he didn't do. He just jumped around and, and was startled. Anyway, causes this massive scene and blows up about why is there a fucking dog here anyway and blah, 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 right? Like causes this huge big deal and keeps persisting. Anyway, the, the problem that, and this is one of the reasons I feel so bad for Karen is like she has to manage Isaac at this stage, right? While he's getting attacked, yeah. right? Like verbally, just verbally abused, what might happen to one person and be no big deal to them is a huge deal. And she yep. can't, like what I was saying is if that was me, you turn around and you just fucking plan it to the people, right? And she goes, yeah, but like I can't do that because i'm busy managing isaac it's not like she can just stop that mm. to do the other it's terrible intolerances isn't it as a society that we have yeah that rather than ask the question first we're just quick to judge well and what what this snooty eastern suburbs bitch couldn't know but was she set him back months right so like he's back in like it triggers everything yeah he's back in the ward it's a whole disaster so we're ready for it we're ready to do the test and it's suddenly not going to happen anymore because he's he's back in the ward again and they've got to readjust his meds and it's a whole nother ordeal so it's just it's one of those things i was like fuck first of all i wish i was there so that i could have interjected into that situation but also like how many people have you or i or anybody perhaps 
you were the straw that broke the camel's back. Or, the layered stress model. Yeah, layered stress model. Exactly mm. right. So anyway, it made me think about that a lot. And yep. that, like, it pissed me off a lot because we were so close and everything was going so well in their lives yep. to be that close and then have it just stolen out from under us. Anyway, so a few weeks ago, so that was a f- months ago, sorry. So then a few weeks ago, he's back out of the ward and the dog is still training great. Karen's spending so much time training this dog and putting so much effort into it. And despite all the shit going on in her life, I'm like, fuck it. We have to do this. Like it's, it's time. We have, yep. there's, there's no time like the present. It's not going to get any better. Right? Like we we're at where we're going to be. Yep. So we call Dave. Dave comes down yesterday. We do the public access test and he passed. So <laughs> it was massive me, relief, oh, huh? mate. Like, so this has been looming over me for two years mm. and like, I feel bad on the saying like how stress, how relieved of the stress of it I am because of, you know, imagine their life. But, but it's not, a, it's not just about relief that, oh, it's done. I don't have to do it anymore. It's relief that the work that you we and Karen it, and yeah. Izzy and well, Ollie have all gone through together. I mean, Ollie, uh, don't mention Ollie. Oh no, no, sorry, <laughs> not Ollie. Sorry, the, the, the relevant people that have gone through it. Not the voice in his head. Not the voice in his head. No, the the actual physical people that have gone through this ordeal. Like when I looked at your photo yesterday that you put up and you'd put on a few different things, I'm actually glad we did this interview and you got the chance to talk about it because the photo- it, it doesn't do it justice. It doesn't do it anywhere near the justice it no. needs. I mean, I've, I, in the entire time I've known you, I've never seen you get um, uh, that this emotional. Is, this is pretty much the only thing I do. and. I'm so embarrassed for having done it, but I wouldn't be. Um, I, I think that's, mate. I think that shows human compassion. The the big thing about this, and I've spoken to, like I said, I'd, I'd please no one contact me for doing assistance dog work because I'm. It's not what I want to do. I've I agreed to do it twice, and I, I I don't think I'll do it again. We often refer jazz for yeah, jazz is who I send work. people yeah. to for sure. Yeah, me too. But. I, as a dog trainer, as we discussed on this, I love telling people to go fuck themselves. I love, like, I, I am a performance dog trainer. Yeah. I'll deal with pet people as, all day long if they, if I need to. I need to I deal with behavioral issues, but, and I will work hard to motivate people, but it's, I hate doing obligatory dog training. If I give you the task during the week and we're there and I say, okay, next week he needs this, and I turn up and you give me a bunch of excuses, I often tell people, like, that's it. You're wasting my time. Yeah. Right, especially if they want to achieve like a sport with their dog, and mm. they say, "Oh, well, I've been busy doing this." I say, "That's cool. Like, you call me when you achieved the thing, right? Be- that I told you to achieve during the week. That's that's how I like to function." Yep. With assistance dog people, and then you're dealing with people with mental health issues. You you can't do that. No, you, you can't. You, you have you can no trigger, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, but you have no right to like. No one needs a performance trained dog no one needs that right yep. it is a luxury if ever there was a thing yeah but people do need their assistance dog and they've got other things going on yeah so it, it's you can't just say to people you didn't put in the work beat it that that so that's gone right like that is that's out the window mm-hmm. and so you've got to and what i am not good so the other thing that i'm not good at in business is I get too involved in my with my clients. I become too good of friends with my clients, the ones that are, are good. Yeah. And so as you see, like here I am fucking pulling my eyes out over this kid because like I'm I'm heavily involved, invested in the passing of this dog for the assistance test. Mm. So anyway, yesterday, what I should thank Dave as well is because what we didn't want to do was have the test potentially go badly because as you say, they're dogs, you never know what could happen, right? Yep. On the day and like you know, anyone that's in Sydney knows the weather yesterday was just about Armageddon. Yeah. So it was not good. Um, no, it was it was horrendous. It was worst possible 120 weather. mils of rain. Yeah. I mean, that's like a month's worth of rain in one day. Yeah, horrendous storms. Yeah. 
And so what Dave agreed to do was to conduct the first part of the test from a distance. And so had it have not gone well, Izzy wouldn't have even known that the test happened, yep. which I'm very thankful for Dave for, for agreeing to do that. Mm. But it did go well. It all went perfectly. And we I had the checklist of things that needed to be done. We just walked around like a training session, pointed out all the things that need to be done. They did it all together. As far as they knew, they were just doing a normal training session. We sat down, got like a, a drink, and that was beginning of his long down. And then Dave walks over and says, hey, congratulations. Like I've been assessing you and you've you've done a great job. Yeah. The only thing we had to do that, you know, couldn't be done was he had to see him go in an elevator and get on and off a bus. And so, yeah, he couldn't observe that from a distance. So he had to go and do that. But that was the last two things on the list and they were easy for that dog. We've, it like... Like I say, that dog had a procedure for everything. He knew exactly mm. when he gets on the bus, this is your seat. This is where you go. This is the route you take. This is the position that you do. This is how you tuck your tail, right? <laughs> like we had a procedure for everything. The same way, like I talk about in training is like if you're going to use, especially in that Nipopo, the dog's under control. There's never a point where you say, hey, go do what you want, right? There's a there's a cue. You mm. get on the bus, that's the cue to sit in this way, do exactly this. So there's no ambiguity for the dog. He's not free to make mistakes. He's under control, which is what we did with our dog. So everything, the, the test went like you as good as you could imagine. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, I, it was a huge, huge, huge day. It was a massive relief for me. They have to keep up the training and I'll be involved in their lives, but- it just means they never have to justify their need for the dog anymore. They never have to worry about if Izzy gets committed to hospital again, whether the dog is allowed to go in or not. The amount of times I've written them reference letters because they're going to stay somewhere and you know they have no right to take the dog, but I've written them letters to say, you know, please, this is the dog. He, he's not certified because we just haven't been able to do the test. Yeah, but now he's got the, it. The dog is capable. Please allow them to stay. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't, you yep. know. But now all that bullshit is in the past. They've yep. got a legit ID that says, fuck you, you. You're letting us take this dog anywhere we want, mm. which is fantastic. And it was just a huge, like you say, in that photo, it doesn't do the happiness of the situation justice. And I just feel like this massive stress that I've been carrying around for two years. And yeah. I almost feel bad saying that because of the, the stress. Compar mine comparative to theirs is nothing. But it's relevant. It's still relevant. I mean, Karen's stress is her stress of what she's been going through and yours is yours. Yeah. And it's still, it's still relevant. Like nobody can... I think that's one of the things we get a little lost in is that you're saying, well, mine is so much minor to hers, but it's not because it's relevant to you. Like yeah. the snapshot of time that you still have is still intense. Yeah. The time that Karen's dealing with it on a regular basis is still intense. Yeah. It takes away from nobody what they're feeling. It's like, again, to refer to many times, which I have so many times on the podcast, is Esther's point yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter what you think and feel it matters what the species thinks and yeah, feels or the what subject. the individual the subject thinks yeah, and yeah. feels at the time so that's relevant to you and i mean mate i know from little stories and i've only had very very small snapshots but i mean you and i have talked about this a little bit through the journey like every now and then you'll tell me a little yeah. story about uh this dog and and izzy and I haven't heard about it for a long time. I knew that at some stage that-, that Yeah. Well, it comes and goes, like that's what I say. So my time with them can be really intense. Like we might spend, because yeah. everybody's together and we'd spend a month of three sessions a week and then, yep. then we don't hear from each other for, for months. Mm. It, it ebbs and flows. But anyway, it's all done. I'm really happy about it. And like I've had, I've had some pretty cool successes in my time in training dogs. Yeah. 
even in my life, really, like I've had some some good wins in my life, but that would have to be in the the absolute top tier. Yesterday was just like, thank fuck, like this is the this is. I'm very proud of myself. I'm very proud of them, but it's just like, thank fuck. Yeah, you know it's, it's I mean? like a massive shackle that you've got to take off your yeah. ankle. Yeah, yeah, so yeah anyway. you've dragged it around for a long time. Well done, mate. I mean, that's incredibly. It actually is a beautiful story. Like yeah. it really is because there is. I don't want to say this to like to sort of end it on a negative note, but I've seen people who have used the whole assistance dog thing where it doesn't really apply to them. Like it's like Birdie says, it's a crutch. Yeah. And people fake it, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like people who wear veteran uniforms and stuff like that and pretend mm-hmm. that they've done service for the country and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And they pull off that shit when real people have done it and real people have needed it and yeah. real people have suffered for it. And it's not genuine. Yeah. I mean, it, it lacks so much authenticity that when I see – like, I can see the relief in your face. Like, <laughs> you know, I looked at the picture um, – I looked at the picture online yesterday and I thought – that you know, like, I looked at it and I thought, wow, that is awesome. That really is awesome. But listening to your story, like, you and I talk about a lot of things. Like, we've shared a lot of stories over the time. And as I said, that's the first time I've genuinely seen you with – compassion and benevolence and frustration all combined <laughs> like just to let it go and just to feel that that compassion for that little kid and his mum yeah. and, that, and that's that's a nice thing mate because i think sometimes you can become a hardened person and not feel that love for society anymore yeah but it's nice when you can when you can get involved and you can still well that's my problem you know i don't really care about very much but the things i do care about i care about a lot and, yeah, yeah completely yeah so anyway the other thing I should say, just when you're talking about assistance dogs, is like for those guys, as I said to them right from the start, I feel like whether that dog ever certified or not, he put, he fulfilled his task. Yep. Because like I say, Izzy hadn't really left the house before in a long time before they got the dog. And he gave him a reason like, no, you have to, you have to walk the dog. Like even if it's to take him outside to go to the toilet, you have to, yep. right? And it was his reason to do things. And also, you know, like my involvement as a trainer, what, like at one point- we're uniting church were paying me. And I said to them, Hey, like I, before you hand over this money, cause it was a fair amount of money they paid. I was like, you know, I, I feel like I should really say up front, like I'm not sure that this is going to pan out. Like before you pay for a lot of this dog training, like I, I don't know that you're going to get the return on the investment. I can make no guarantees about the dog passing the test. And they said to me, they're like, you're the cheapest and most effective therapist that he has because he enjoys his time with you and he'll leave the house with you and you don't make anything worse. Yeah. That's awesome. So it, you have zero quals, but other than like he leaves the house with you happily and so you, you should continue. So I feel like just from that regard, and it was the same, Jazz won't mind me saying, because we said it with her as well, like with her dog Genta when she got her, the therapy for Jazz has been training the dog. Jazz is such a fucking good dog trainer now. Like, And that's not because she has an assistance dog. It's because she went on the journey of training one. Yep. So it's such a fucking double-edged knife like you know it can be a disaster and you see it goes so bad dave told me yesterday that like i think the stats is like 25 percent of dogs training for assistance roles actually pass yeah which is a pretty high washout rate right mm. so it's such a double-edged sword like whether you allow people to just get well yeah well, how can you stop it but the people who come to you with like hey i've got this dog already he's been selected by no one who knows anything about dogs mm. and i want to train him for a assistance dog role like I say, like in almost every case I've seen, it's a disaster. But maybe is that a bad thing? I don't know. Like because the only two cases that I've allowed myself to get really involved with have had like best possible outcomes. Yeah. Now, 
you know, Jensa still has minor issues like that are just that's just who she is and dogs Bobby, are still dogs yeah that's right there's no superfluous dogs yeah or people and, and bobby has loads of issues like i said mm-hmm. in i spoke about it yesterday in the like the nipopo students group of people who have all done the course and i was like this dog he's a hot mess and in a lot of ways he, he still is but he's locked in behavior he understands like he can shut out the he's no longer experiencing the environment because he knows the job to do in the environment but you know what he's just what that little boy needs yeah yeah exactly that's and that's the thing is that he doesn't have to be the best dog in the world, but he's the best dog for that little boy. Yeah, 100%. That's what he is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not dissimilar to the story that Brent and Kat talk about when they met Rihanna and her family mm-hmm. and uh, the journey that they went on to help Rihanna's son with a seizure alert dog. Yeah. I know for them that was a – they became amazing friends out of that. That's the re- reason they did that, their little canine conversations thing to mm-hmm. help raise yeah, money. Yeah, which we spoke about here. Yeah. yeah, we've spoken about that. There's a lot of people who, let me rephrase that, there are genuine people like you and Brent and Cat and other people who have done things like this for all the right reasons, not for the fame or the glory or the money or anything like that. But, you know, they've stuck by people and they've they've wanted to see it through. They've wanted to, yeah. they've wanted to see a real well, um, the, effect in change. The economics of assistance dogs is a really tricky one, right? Like, so- as I said, like I was, get, I got paid by various different organisations, and I'm not pretending like I didn't make money out of this situation. It certainly was nowhere near what I would charge, given the like if I was to bill hours, right? Yeah. So I'm not pretending like there's no money, but it's such a tricky situation because if you look at buying an, a trained dog, then maybe I think people sell them up to like thirty five thousand dollars, up to fifty thousand dollars in Australia for a certified dog, right? It'd be yep. Different all over the world. And that's when someone really is billing their hours, right? Like this is to train the dog. And then it's a, you'd sold the dog ready to go, train guaranteed. Yep. I think that's really what you're buying is the guarantee because there's no cheaper. This is what I would love people, anybody that's listening to this to understand is that if you were going to pay a trainer to train your existing dog, it is not going to be cheaper than the $50,000 that it would be to buy the dog. Yep. And there's no guarantees it's going to pan out. Whereas if you do buy the trained dog, then you are buying a finished product and it, it should pan out and you should that should be part of your purchase agreement that it pans out or, or you don't pay or you get the dog, you different dog or whatever. Yep. But yeah, it's such a tricky one because I feel like I say that, but then I also know in my heart that the training of the dog is the therapy. Yep. So whether the dog ever certifies or not, is that relevant? I don't know. It's a, it's a really it difficult- is a, yeah, it is a and hard it's, one. It's why I don't want to get into that industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that- Having done it now with two dogs, and I mean, Jazz did all the work with Jenna. I just helped her a little bit. But, you know, it's really hard to know, is it having the dog or is it the training of the dog? Which Mm. one of those? I think in some cases, like with a seizure alert dog, for sure, it's having the dog. The dog performs a very clear function. But with a mental health It's the lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, it's the lifestyle that goes with it and the companionship. And, you know, I think, um, again, I know I've referred this on Bertie's discussion, but- Listening and reading Johan Hari's book, Lost mm-hmm. Connections, he talks really about- Johan, that's another time you have to put more money in Glenn's bank account. Yeah, yeah. Comedy aside, it's a book that I think that anybody who's ha- even had a hint, just a hint of mental health issues or is curious about connecting better with society, it very much is a good book to start introducing a better way to live your life. Mm-hmm. He refers to Robert Sapolsky quite a lot in yeah, right. Sapolsky's early years, how he dreamt of being a zebra running across the wilds of Africa and then he dreamt of being an insect because 
Sapolsky really invested himself in the behavior of animals yeah, right. as a child. It's very interesting. It's yeah. interesting that um, it's a, there's an audio book, right? It's an audio book. You can get oh, it on Audible, yeah. and uh, you can buy the book also. Lost Connections, but. When you talk about proud moments, I think proud moments for you and I and for other people is, especially doing these podcasts, it's bringing our community together. It's bringing the dog training community together. We can actually share stories. And I mean, I've mended friendships with people that I've been bad to and treated poorly in the past because of this. Like I'm speaking to people again that we've lost momentum with each other. Yeah, right. So all of what we're doing, you know, like the help that you've done with that little kid and creating better communities for each other and listening to people a bit better. I'm really invested in it because I never was when I was younger, but I didn't understand it when I was younger because I was angry and resentful and jealous and I had like a range of shit going on. But I think as you get older and you start seeing the importance of this and how Mm. how it plays out and I guess the... The satisfaction you get from it, not in an egotistical sense, but just the—I think—the relief that you said before that you feel from it. I think relief is the mm. is the key. Is that you sleep better and you feel better, and and life seems to be a little bit less complicated. Yeah. I guess is the <laughs> yeah, it's because quite, life yeah. is quite complicated, and I think if we can lessen the complication in it, it just gives us it gives us momentum to move forward with peace. And yeah. a bit of, and feel a bit more love for people as well. And uh, I've certainly been learning to do that a little bit more. And I, I think this story is great, mate. I really do. I'm, mm. I think you really deserve a good pat on the back for it because you're not doing it. There's a thing that where sometimes people advertise things because they're they're doing it for business. They're not doing it for business. Oh, I can fucking tell you. Yeah. I'm not doing it for business. I know you're do not. not get in contact with me about the system. Yeah, stuff. I know I know you're not. Do and that's, not. That's 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 <laughs> the reason why I'm I'm really proud of you for it because it's not about you know, like there's an old saying that if you do a nice thing for people and you tell a lot of other people, you're not doing benevolence, you're yeah, doing business. Yeah, yeah. But in the other aspect of it, it is very important that when you can make a difference in people's lives and share that with other people and how we can be better with each other and treat people better. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when people do write these good books, like some of the self-help books that we've been reading or community investment books, I guess, is a better phrase for it. But when you can actually read these books and you can make a better investment in it, mate, I'm telling you, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's fantastic. It it helps bring it forward, mm. you know, like it paying it forward. That's the correct term for it. It helps to pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think people will get a real buzz out of this story. I think that- um, I hope so. I, I'm sure. I'm um, absolutely sure. If someone has sent you this, like I told Karen, I went and asked her this morning if I could talk about this on the show. She didn't know I did a show and she said, send me the link. So yeah. if she'll listen and if anybody else, if, if you get sent this and you're listening for the first time, we don't always cry on the show. Normally we talk, we laugh. So go back and listen to some other ones. It's mostly a funny show where we talk about dogs. Talk about me being raped by dolphins and falling in pits of shit and <laughs> yeah, stuff Yeah, but don't like be ashamed so. of that, man. Like, uh, <laughs> like I said, you being emotional about that shows how much you care about that kid. Mm. And I, I think that is incredible. Mm. And I think that's, that's good because we never did this show just to be a comedy show. Yep. It's not even listed under comedy. It's listed under education. So mm. part of education is... The funny side of things that we do in life. Do we list also- it under just education because we didn't want to compete with our best friend Joe Rogan? That's we right. We didn't want to be in the comedy. Now, class. how could we? How could we bat- take do how battle with we? the king? We couldn't. We couldn't. Before we do wrap it up, yeah, I said this to you the other day, and just talking about some special people that you meet in your life, I just quickly want to say a special heartfelt thanks to Mel Plonsky. Oh yeah. Oh, she called me today. I have to call her back. Yeah, she sent me a really lovely message the other day. 
she's planning to do some work with people on the spectrum over in WA. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I think she would be fantastic at that. And Mel sent me a lovely message of encouragement myself. She just finished it with saying, I don't think you know how many people that you have made such a positive impact on their life and especially mine. And I didn't cry about it, but I it hit me in the feels. Like mm. it really, it felt like a mass kick in the feels. Mm. Like it made my month. It was just, it came at the right time. It was one of those times where you think, fuck, everyone takes you for granted. Like they're always asking for something. And then this lovely person gives me a message and yeah, says- Mel is awesome. She's a lovely person and she's done fantastic work in such a short amount of time. And Mel, in case you don't know it, both Pat and I are immensely proud of you. Mm. And so are many of the people that know you. You have touched a lot of people in in your life as well. And uh, you're doing fantastic things. I know there's so much more that you're going to do and just kick some massive goals. You're a beautiful person and really appreciate you. That's it. All right. I'm going to wrap it up. Yep. Either the start of an episode a couple ago, I was spruiking them doing seminars in America and trying to they're full so don't don't contact Jen anymore that's done but so, we are going to be going hitting Canada yes in, in the third quarter of 2019 yeah so going we're, to Canada uh, yeah we're going to Canada and we're trying to spruik the show because they're our, our lowest listener rate what do you mean we're trying to spruik the show there we're doing the tour like trying to bump up those numbers oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> come on Canada come you, on Canada get on board do we have to come all the way over there and do a live show for you to get you listening more I tell you what the USA is racing up the charts yep. next to Australia like Australia is holding the fort but America is really coming up yeah and um and Canada's getting there they're like mm. they're they're in a little tugboat behind but they're there so as I was going to say those seminars the Two I'm doing in April are both full, but the cool thing about that is if then anybody else, I, I can't do any more on that trip. I can only spend that amount of time there. But if anyone wants to organize even before, because I don't feel bad about that because they're full, so I'm not stealing any work from anyone. If anyone wants to hook something up, get in touch. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you're hearing, like, rate, share, subscribe, tell a friend, all of that helps us uh, spread the word and get more people listening to the show. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is via Patreon. Three bucks a month there will get you access to a special episode once a month for you guys and anything else that we decide to just trickle out. I'm working on a Christmas present for everyone at the moment. Just the Patreon people. So Just else. the Patreon people. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> if you want to get in contact with us, you can do that via Facebook. We are The Canine Paradigm on Facebook. Something that happens there sometimes is maybe one of us sees messages without the other. So if you send us a message and you don't hear back from us, just send another one. Harass us. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, that's fine. You know how we're, Facebook business... The Pages app messaging system is not good. Yeah. It's easy to miss messages. So if we don't get back to you, I'm sorry Especially about that. on mobile. Yeah, exactly. On desktop, it's okay, but mobile, it's Mobile's terrible. So if yeah. we don't get back to you, then just harass us a bit more. It's not personal, I promise. That's it. Glenn, music. <laughs>